Can you unpack like why an annuity and life insurance would be better than a bond? Well, in 2016, I wrote an article, the 60-40 portfolio is dead, long live life insurance and annuities. And all I said in that article is why in the world would anybody put 40% of their portfolio into bonds that are paying 1% or less? Because we know when interest rates go up, what happens to value of bonds, they go down. We didn't know when they would go up, but you know if interest rates are at 1% or less than 1%, eventually they're gonna go up. And that means eventually the value of your bonds is gonna go way down. And that's exactly what happened. The University of Chicago did a whole study where they studied people who bought lifetime income annuities versus people who didn't. And the people who bought the lifetime income annuities lived longer than the people that didn't. Freakonomics even put it on their Freakonomics podcast as something, oh, oh, this is crazy. I believe nearly every American can become a millionaire if they want to. And now some people say, yeah, well, a million bucks today isn't what it used to be. That's true. And maybe you want to have two or three million, but you got to get your first million first. And the first million is always the hardest million. Social security needs to be fixed. I could fix social security in less than 15 minutes. Somebody go, am I really watching this? Like, are people really saying this stuff? And they really believe it. Hey, Tom, welcome back to the Better Wolf Show. Thanks, Caleb. Great being with you. Man, it is a pleasure to have you on, and I've I've looked up for you to you many in many years. I, I remember first getting into the space, seeing you on stage, and being like, "Man, it would be an amazing goal to be to be able to speak at your level." And I'm nowhere near that, but it's been fun to be win some stages, and um, I always try to give credit where credit is due. So thank you for the passion and taking a lot more arrows in the back as you pioneer this way of thinking about retirement, thinking about income, thinking about cash flow, and really articulating what financial freedom looks like. And so there's a lot of things that we can talk about. I think one of the one of the subjects that I would love to cover is talking about retirement. And you're known as one of the the leading experts and gurus as it relates to your ability to communicate retirement. And I think I think my biggest problem with the word retirement is it doesn't really articulate what people truly want. And as a result, people don't have the right mindset going in. So with, with that, with that like setting the stage, I would love for you to give a little bit of backstory of like, you didn't come out of the room talking about annuities and retirement. So um, who, who are you? Um, you know, why, why are you a leading expert on this? And, and then let's, let's roll up our sleeves and talk about how people can really be better off if they understand some of the things that you and I know as it relates to retirement planning. Yeah. So thanks, Caleb. Um, well, I'm originally from a small town in Minnesota. I went to college at North Dakota State University on an Army ROTC scholarship. I was commissioned in the military. I spent six years active duty Army. I was in Germany. I was out of Fort Ord, California, Fort Huachuca twice. Spent 16 and a half years Army Reserve. Uh, retired as Lieutenant Colonel in 2006. I then you know, I, I, while I was in the reserves, I was also in the insurance industry. I spent eight, eight years with MetLife. I was an agent, a manager, a national marketing manager. I spent 15 years with New York Life. I started out as an annuity wholesaler and worked my way up to be a senior executive officer of that company. And what, my last years, I was put in charge of the retirement income push. Uh, New York Life was about 10 years ahead of the rest of the industry on, on promoting uh, income from annuities. And, and, you know, at the time, our our advisors were selling mainly variable annuities and now to try to get them to sell spias and dias uh i mean that sounds easy not easy because those are kind of boring products but 
what I did was I went and dug into the research of the leading PhDs around the world about retirement, and, and I learned so much. I learned about mortality credits. Nobody had talked about mortality credits. You never heard the word mortality credits. Well, when you read the writings of Dr. Moshe Malevsky and the readings of Dr. David Babel and that, you learn this stuff. And I, so I learned a whole bunch of stuff that nobody outside the academic world really knew. And so in 2011, I retired from New York Life. I went out on my own. I've written five books. I got two more coming out here in the next 12 months. Um, I had a PBS TV special, Don't Worry, Retire Happy, that played in 80 million homes in the U.S. and Canada. And so really, it was the work that I did when I was at New York Life where I learned so much that I wanted to kind of take that out to a broader audience. And, and that's what I've been doing. So what do you think most people get wrong when they hear like retirement and why is there such a negative emotions that we feel when we hear the word annuity? I mean, you, is it fair to say that you were like the leading face that was trying to like bring the talk, talking about mortality credits and annuities. And so you probably have heard every single criticism that you possibly can around the subject. Why is there so much, um, why is there so much like non-unity when it comes to the quote unquote retirement space when there's actual hard research yeah, I mean, um, behind it? Anybody who says annuities are bad obviously doesn't know what they're talking about um, because you can't read the research of, of um, retirement of these leading uh, PhDs and come to the conclusion that, that an annuity is bad. An annuity is a foundation of any good retirement plan. And if somebody says they hate annuities, then I just ask them to be consistent. That means you need to cancel your social security checks because social security is a lifetime income annuity. Last time I checked, most people love their social security check. You also have to cancel your pension check. Why? Because that's a lifetime income annuity. And most of the people that I know love their pension checks. And you know what? All the people that I know that have income annuities love their income annuities as well. So the, the, the knock against annuities is not on income annuities. They don't have fees. Okay. There's no fee in a, in a, in a SPIA or a DIA, uh, or so, yeah. so, People get annuities mixed up. Variable annuities have fees. And yes, the fees in a variable annuity are higher than a mutual fund. Why? Because they have guarantees that a mutual fund doesn't have. Now, if you don't want the guarantees, don't buy an annuity. Go buy a mutual fund. But that has nothing to do with an income annuity. An income annuity is essential as a foundational place. I own 11 of them, okay? I don't sell annuities, I buy them. Dr. David Babel owned 14 of them, okay? So the people yeah. who know retirement inside and out, they own multiple income annuities. And by the way, most of my income annuities are in Roth IRAs. So that means I'm gonna have increasing tax-free income for the rest of my life. And I think uh, if people really understood um, there's yeah. no way somebody could say annuities are bad. You, you can't say that. I mean, it'd be ridiculous. Yeah, I, I can't really take credit for this, but I have been starting to change the word retirement planning to future cash flow planning. Yeah. And if all someone did was saying, hey, we're just going to plan for the future cash flow, it just changes your mindset. And then you can then you can go back to the drawing board and say, what's the most efficient way to buy cash flow and, and create cash flow in your life? And there's no doubt, especially for the you know trillions and trillions of dollars that are in the market right now. And when you start looking at the research, we have a, a massive dilemma on our hands. And if people don't have a good plan and they don't have a good way of creating cash flow, they're going to ride the roller coaster and and the stress that you that you have in your life just by like, are you going to run out of money? Like one of the beautiful things is when you understand annuities and the power of it is you're creating that certainty, confidence. And then also, um, if you actually reverse engineer from a cash flow perspective, 
it's actually super efficient. Um, and so anything that you want to say upon that? Yeah. Until, well, you know, I always say there's three facts that uh, around annuities that you need to know. Number one, adding an annuity to a retirement portfolio lowers the risk and increases the return of that portfolio. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, Ernst & Young just did a whole white paper on it, and they found that the best retirement portfolio had investments, life insurance, and annuities. It's not me. They're an accounting firm. I've known it, but they did it. So that's number one. Your portfolio performance will improve. Number two, you're going to be happier. Even the Wall Street Journal had the headline, the secret to a happier retirement is friends, neighbors, and a fixed annuity. And what they found is that the happiest people in retirement were those people surrounded by their friends, surrounded by their families who had guaranteed paychecks every single month. I mean, think yeah. about it. Who are your happiest retired clients? This retired military, retired government, retired teacher, retired policeman, right. retired firefighters, because it's got pensions. Happiness in retirement is tied almost 100% to guaranteed lifetime income, not assets. The most miserable people in retirement are the people with assets. And then number three, the research shows that, you, that you, you're going to live longer if you have guaranteed lifetime income. I mean, uh, the University of Chicago did a whole study where they studied people who bought lifetime income annuities versus people who didn't. And the people who bought the lifetime income annuities lived longer than the people that didn't. Freakonomics even put it on their Freakonomics podcast as something, oh, oh this is crazy. That And, and then um, Patrick Trickery is an attorney. He wrote an article for the Journal for Financial Service Professionals. And he found that the average 65-year-old in America, if they buy a lifetime income annuity, will live 20% longer than the people who don't have them. And he just explained why people of guaranteed income live longer. They don't have the stress. They don't worry. Market's down 40%. They go another play, play another 18 holes of golf. And because they're being paid to live, guess what? Many of them choose to live differently. They watch what they eat. They exercise. They go see the doctor. Yeah. So those are yeah. three simple reasons why you should have an annuity in your retirement portfolio. Yeah, some people take cold showers. Some people spend hundreds of dollars on supplements and sleep. I, I say we, we package it up and call it the, the Hegna supplement. <laughs> yeah. How do you like that? that the, the retirement supplement. Yeah. It, it might have a double meeting. Um, all right, so one, one thing that I try to do, and I try to do this, you know I'm a big fan of life insurance, and, but I try to see both sides, and I have many videos, and I get criticism for this, talking about why you shouldn't buy life insurance or the downfalls to this product. And so I want to do the same thing with an annuity. Mm -hmm. I think the reason annuities sometimes get a bad rap is there are some people that just go into it, go into a client, and all they see is like they, the annuity sale, and 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 then there's like you know people that you know do dinner seminars and all that stuff. And so I think regardless, I don't know, and you probably have a better understanding of like where people have kind of got this like bad taste in their mouths when they think of like people are going to sell me an annuity. What are some of the downfalls, or what are the, some of the things that you should be careful as a consumer if you're in the market of like you know, I, I want to take my portfolio and, con, you know, I want to convert some of it to lifetime income and yeah. figure out how to utilize an annuity in my portfolio. What are some of the things that you need to be careful of? And, you know, and, and what are some piece of advice that you would say um, from a standpoint of if someone wants to get started in that? Well, the first thing you need to know is an annuity is for retirement. It's really for after age 59 and a half. It's not for the down payment on a first house. It's not for your kids' college education. It's for retirement. So do not put money in an annuity that you don't want to, that, that, that you need before retirement. It's for retirement. That's number one. Number two, annuities may or may not be liquid depending on the type of annuity you buy. Like if I buy an income annuity, it increases my liquidity because I get a check every month, but I can't go in there and take that money. That Once I turn it into guaranteed lifetime income, some products, then it's guaranteed lifetime income. And those products will actually pay you the highest income because you're giving away your liquidity to get 
checks for the rest of your life. Other annuities have full liquidity provisions. You you can take out whatever you want once you're through a, a surrender charge. There are even annuities that don't have surrender charges. So those are the things you want to look at. You don't want to put all of your money into annuities. You know, yeah. I, I own 11 of them, but I guess what? I own dividend paying stocks. I own real estate. I own a little bit of crypto. I, I own other things too. You know, I have a yeah. bunch of life insurance. And so yeah. it's, you don't put all your money there. The research shows you should have at least enough guaranteed income to cover your basic living expenses. Now, social security yeah. counts because it's an annuity pension counts, but whatever you're short, that is the minimum that you should put in the annuity. Now, that's for your guaranteed paycheck. Now, I have some guaranteed paychecks as well because even if the market crashes and things go bad, I still want to do some travel. I want to do some fun stuff. So I have both guaranteed paychecks and paychecks, but all my money is not in annuities. I, I love it. You're, you're super well uh, – or you're very articulate as it relates to this, and so I appreciate you uh, talking about that. Let's transition over to the life insurance space. Mm -hmm. um, that's it's, it's something like I've mentioned, the Ernst & Young study, and um, our – friend, Dr. Wade Fowl, and there's other people yep. out there that have, you know, written books that I don't always 100% understand, but I'm like, I know that they're very smart and they're doing the research. And, and so I always tell people, if you read Dr. Wade's book and give me a book report, I'll, I'll, I'll pay you something um, yeah. and we'll make a video out of it. Um, and I haven't had anyone take me up on that offer, but that that's the, anyone that wants to do that, hit me up. Um, all that to say, what have you always known that life insurance and annuities and the market came together? Or is this something that you've learned in the past? And how do you articulate the use of life insurance? Because you talked about annuities being like for retirement. Beautiful thing about life insurance is it can be for retirement yeah. and it can and be uh, it can be used way before that and it covers your estate planning. So I, I really am maybe I'm very biased, but I think life insurance is an incredible asset to have in your portfolio. Yeah, it is. And and my 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 ideas have changed over the years. So when I was in the Army, I was a company commander in Fort Ord, California. I believed in buy term and invest the difference. And there was a MetLife agent going through my unit selling whole life insurance. And I said, who is this guy ripping off my soldiers? I said, bring him to me. Because when you're a commander, you could do that. And they said, okay, sir, he'll, he'll come see you, but he wants your birthday. And I said, give him my birthday, but I want to see him in my office. So he comes in my office the next day. I say, I hear you're ripping off my soldiers, selling off this rip-off life insurance. He goes, oh, no, sir. I'm protecting their families. I'm helping to save for down payment on their first house, pay for their kids' college education, give them tax-free income and retirement. And by the way, your soldiers were nice enough uh, to give me your birthday, so I ran a printout for you. And I take, say, let me see this piece of crap. Now, this was a five-pay whole life. This was before the seven-pay test. That's how old I am. This was a five-pay whole life. And I said, let me see this piece of crap. I said, okay, I pay this for five years. Then I don't ever pay again. I got all my cash back by the sixth year. My cash value keeps growing. My death benefit keeps growing. I go, why in the world would anybody buy term insurance if you could buy this? He said, oh, I don't sell much term. That's what I sell. I said, do you get paid to sell this? He said, I get paid really well to sell that. I said, I could sell that. And that's how I got in the business, okay? Oh. And so... I have learned over the years and, you know, when I was a brand new life insurance person, I was like 27 years old. Uh, I wish then I would have bought the $5 million whole life, but I waited till I was 50 to buy the $5 million whole life. My annual premium is 226000 a year. And people would say, well, that's terrible. That's so expensive. And I said, no, 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 no. You don't understand. With, with, with a whole life policy, it's not an expense. It's not, it, 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 I get all that money. So I'm putting all this money in there and it's growing and I get dividends and I get all this stuff. And, and when you realize that life insurance is not an expense. It's an asset on your balance sheet 
that does better than bonds, by the way, and it's been proven that for the last 40 years it's done better than bonds and will probably do better for the next 40 years. Use it as a bond substitute. I own almost no bonds whatsoever, none, because I have annuities and life insurance. Those are better bond substitutes than actual bonds. And then I can have stocks and I can have real estate. I can have all this other stuff. But, you know, I, I have been on purpose moving my wealth to cash value life insurance because we're $31 trillion in debt, climbing at $4 billion every morning. And taxes are going to have to go up a lot. For most of your listeners, are going to have to double. For some of your listeners, are going to have to triple. And I want to have switches that I can flip that will give me more tax-free income. That's why I'm in Roth IRAs. I'm in cash value life insurance. I think planning for the future tax increases is one of the most important things you can do. And so I'm fully on board the cash value life insurance bandwagon. And I, yeah. I get, I stay out of the IUL versus whole life. Yeah. I, I, I would spend, you know, all my time in AAA mutual life insurance companies. I'm a whole life guy. Okay. I'm okay. If people want to do IUL and all that, I was the variable life uh, product manager, uh, marketing manager for MetLife. So, I mean, I do know universal life. There are some weaknesses to universal life. There are some strengths. It's more flexible. You know, there's all kinds of things you can do with it, but because it's more flexible, there's some dangers and risks to it too. So that's where I am on the, on the life insurance spectrum. Yeah. And, and you talk about it being a better bond alternative. Can you unpack that a little bit more? Because before like people are saying equities and bonds and it's funny because bonds don't give you any tax benefits right they're more correlated with the market than people think so it's not true diversification so can you unpack like why yeah. an annuity and life insurance would be better than a bond well in 2016 i wrote an article the 60 40 portfolio is dead long live life insurance and annuities and all i said in that article is why in the world would anybody put 40 percent of their portfolio into bonds that are paying one percent or less because we know when interest rates go up what happens to value of bonds they go down we didn't know when they would go up but you know if interest rates are at one percent or less than one percent eventually they're going to go up and that means eventually the value of your bonds is going to go way down and that's exactly what happened you know silicon valley bank went bankrupt, not because they had bad investments, they owned US government bonds. But what happened was they bought these bonds at 1% and when interest rates go up to 5%, those bonds had fallen by 70 and 80%. So my article was why, I knew this would happen, I didn't know it would happen in 2022 or 2023, but I knew it was gonna happen. I said, just move the money out of bonds, put it into annuities, put it into life insurance because they're gonna give you a better rate of return than 1% that you're getting in your bonds. And when interest rates go up, guess what? Annuities either go up or stay the same and life insurance either goes up or stay, they don't go down. And so why would anybody want to subject themselves to the risk that, that would just happen in last year? Last year was the worst year ever for bonds, ever. And, and, and so the 60-40 portfolio was broke. Now I'm reading Goldman Sachs says 60-40 portfolio won't work anymore. Now all these people, I was seven years ahead of all that, you know? I love that, man. And it was because you 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 thought differently. And my whole thing is you look at a bond, it's a very it's like an or asset. They it does one thing for you. It's a rate of return. And you look at something like life insurance, all the other benefits, including a permanent death benefit, which is an asset, like you're gonna die yep. and you have a permanent promise that's gonna happen on your death. Like there's all kinds of things that you can do. And a bond, bond's not gonna pay when you're no. you know, in, in the nursing home or whatnot. So it's just, it's very it's very interesting and I'm glad that this conversation's happening, but it's, it's still, I'm still shocked how few people are talking about this. 
And, um, and it's just, it's just one of those things where I think the more people understand that this is a benefit in the future, they're going to be more easygoing to say, okay, I'm going to get this while I'm 30 or yeah. 40 because of how this projects in the future. Well, want, Caleb, want, you know, they say, you, they say, don't follow the masses because many times the M is silent. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. yeah let, let that sink in. <laughs> um, so I want to talk about entrepreneurs yep. because um, entrepreneurs are, you know, notorious for not being great at retirement. And I, I've heard this where people will say, well, I'm an entrepreneur, so annuities are good for majority of people that are like save up money, but I, I'm going to have businesses or real estate cash flow. And so I have two two part question that you can unpack. Number one, does your advice when it comes to life insurance and annuities change at all when you're talking to like a 35 or 40 year old entrepreneur? That's number one. And then number two is if you're younger and you're funding more life insurance, do you, does that substitute uh, annuities? Like I see annuities as like when you're older, you convert some of your assets to annuities. But if you already have like 30%, let's just say of life insurance, do you still buy the same amount of annuities or do you, does the life insurance and annuities kind of add up what the bond portfolio would be in right. your. So, so in, two in your, very so, different yeah. questions. I don't know if I'll remember <laughs> them both. You might have to remind me of the second one. So, so the I'm, first I'm, one, I'm classic, right? entrepreneurs, yeah, entrepreneurs, yeah. I think it's more important to have life insurance and annuities because you, you don't have a company, you don't have a pension, you don't have benefits. You don't have, you don't have the things like you do if you're working for a yeah. fortune 500 company. So you have to be the benefit provider. You have to provide your own pension. And look, I was an entrepreneur when I started my own business and guess what? I set up my own pension plan and my pension plan for myself is paying me more than my pension plans that I worked in the insurance industry for 30 years. Okay. And more than my military pension. So I, set up a pension plan for myself and I did it with life insurance and annuities. That's, that's what I did. Okay. Um, and um, you know, my son is an entrepreneur. My son, it's, it's very funny because my son, you know, when he's a kid, he was selling baseball cards on the internet and then he grew up and he went to pawn shops and he started looking for high end stereo equipment. He'd buy it for cheap. He'd sell it for more. And then he found a, a yep. guy who could get him big screen TV, um, you know, returns from Costco and Best Buy. And all of a sudden he now has multiple TV stores. He got engaged and, and the engagement went south. He had a wedding dress. He's trying to sell his wedding dress, couldn't find any place. So he bought a bridal store. Now he owns like six or seven bridal stores too. And I mean, he's, he's an entrepreneur, but guess what? He has a lot of whole life insurance. I don't know if he yeah. has any annuities, but he, and, and so that kind of ties into your second question. If you're young and you have a lot of life insurance, do you need annuities? Well, Probably when you're in your 40s and 50s, you should start shifting from putting any more, you know, putting a bunch more money in your life insurance, and start putting that into annuities. But that that life insurance policy can be 1035 exchanged at any time into an annuity. So you've got this yeah. life insurance building up that if you say, hey, I want to take half of that and move that now into an annuity, you can do that. So, you know, depending on the, yep. the life insurance rules of that policy and everything. But in, in most companies, you can do things like that. Um. You've been you've you've talked about Bitcoin before. You've talked about you 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 cover things like banks. You covered things like the sixty forty being mm -hmm. dead right now. When you look at what's going on in our world, politics, banks, interest rates, recession. What are some of your predictions? What are some of the things that you're seeing right now that um, our viewers could just take your knowledge and really best prepare for what? the unknown well, in the future looks I, like. I, I'm very concerned with where this country's going. I'm just very, con I mean, every day I'm reading stuff and seeing stuff on TV. I can't even believe that 
it's happening. It's that, I mean, this whole, the whole culture war thing is crazy. Um, yeah. the, the inflation, the debt and people don't, people don't see the big picture. They, they just go with the flow. They're on their TikTok. They're on their Facebook. They don't realize that this huge impending disaster we have with debt and, and interest rates and taxes. And, and so, so that is very concerning to me, you know, just, just seeing all of that. And I don't remember the rest of the question, but, um, I, I, I am very concerned about what's going on. Um, I do see taxes going up for sure. hundred percent. I'll put a hundred percent on that. Um, social security needs to be fixed. I could fix social security in less than 15 minutes for the next hundred years. I don't think that's a big problem. Uh, they're going to have to raise the retirement age on the kids. They're going to have to, you know, maybe raise a little bit of taxes here and there. It's not going to be a big deal. You're probably hardly going to even feel it. Medicare, Medicaid. I don't have a solution for that. I'm hoping yeah. Amazon or Apple or somebody figures it out because the government's not going to figure it out. And that is a humongous problem that will cause most wealthy people, you know, I, I don't believe it means testing Social Security, but they're doing it anyway, because what's happening is now they're raising these Medicare premiums on the wealthy. And so I would say if you're a wealthy person, uh, yeah, you'll still get your Social Security, but pretty soon 100% of that's going to go to pay for Medicare. So you're really not going to get Social Security. You're going to have your Medicare paid for by your Social Security, basically what's going to be. So, you know, there, there's going to be a lot of tough times. There's going to be some generational warfare because I already see it. Oh, the boomers are blocking out the millennials from buying homes. Oh, those rich, white, old guys are. Yeah, I saw something yesterday, Kate, but this is a true story. That this new, you know, is work, work from home and now these companies are trying to get them to come back to the office. And I read this, this, this thing that said, Oh, this is the last bastion of white male supremacy that they want to dominate over their employees. Or something. I'm going, okay. I, you know, that's why I play golf four to five days a week. Cause I tell my wife, <laughs> the safest place for me is on the golf course. Because if I start talking about how wacko some of this stuff that I'm watching is going on, I, you know, people will attack me or whatever, but on the golf course, we all think the same that this world is, is wacko right now. And I don't even, I sometimes I go, am I really watching this? Like are people really saying yeah. this stuff? And they really believe it. And then the young people believe it. So I think there will be some generational warfare at some point down the road. So with that, what do you think the U.S. dollar, like, do you think the U.S. dollar is going to remain strong? Is there, are you worried that we're going to lose the reserve currency? Uh, not in the, anywhere in the near term. I mean, what, are people going to trust China more than us? Are they going to trust yeah. Russia more than us? Are they going to, no, I mean, there's no other currency right now. Uh, I would say Bitcoin would be the, you know, something like that, that, that has the best chance of, of becoming a currency. Like if everything starts falling apart, that's when people go to de unregulated places to put their money in. And just to be clear on Bitcoin, I, I've always said, I, I, I think it's okay to have 1% of your portfolio. Yep. I have 1%. Yep. I don't have 3%, 10%. These people who put all their money in Bitcoin, that's stupid. I say 1% yep. as a, yep. you know, speculative part of my portfolio. I'm fine with that. I, I saw, I think you, this was like two or three years ago on Facebook. You wrote a whole deal about your views on Bitcoin. You talked mm -hmm. about 1%. 1%. And I just, I really respect the fact that you are willing to look at alternative ways, alternative investments, and, and, and not have an agenda. Because I think 
you it's hard to put you in a box right it's like oh, <laughs> you know people I thought i, I was hacked people said tom your facebook got hacked you would never ever say anything positive right. about bitcoin it's just it's a nothing burger like it, it it's right. it's who's more ignorant you got to sell to somebody more ignorant than you who'll pay more and I, i'm not saying i believe in bitcoin i'm saying there are a lot of people smarter than me that do and when yeah. there are that yeah. many smart people who say this could be big, I'm willing to take a 1% risk. Because if it goes to a million dollars of Bitcoin, yeah. I'll be happy. If it goes to zero, yeah. it won't hurt my retirement. And that's, exactly. where I'm, that's where I'm at with Bitcoin. Going back to your, what your comment on Social Security, you said you could fix it in 15 minutes. Yep. What would you do? Because I, I, I interviewed Ken Keyes, yep. um, who's just okay. another legend in this space. And he said that Social Security is not that easy because if you fix Social Security – it, you're then going to tap into what you said, the Medicare and Medicaid fund, well, or, or yeah, yeah. what he said is the people would be tapping into the um, what what what's it when you get disabled like that that would get bankrupt because yeah. of the health side. So he he looked at it from a standpoint of if you if you solve one thing, you actually make the other fund well, worse. And that, I'm just curious your thoughts on that. That may be. I haven't done that much research on how they're interconnected. I do know Medicare is a much, 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 much bigger problem than Social Security. So for Social yeah. Security, my dad got full Social Security at 65. I don't get it till I'm 67. My daughter shouldn't get it till she's 70. Her kids shouldn't get it till they're 73 because people are living longer. Yeah. But just tell them now so they can plan for that. Yeah. Okay. I'm, I'm and, with you. And if they want to retire you. early, they can save more money and retire early on their own. I got no problem with that. Okay. And, and yeah. then they're going to have to raise some taxes. I'm not a big tax raiser guy, but let's be realistic. You got to have some money. So right yeah. now we're paying like what? Six and a half percent up to um, 140,000 or whatever the numbers are. That might have to go up to seven and a half or eight percent for both you and the employer. Yeah. Okay. You're not even going to feel one percent of that. You're not really yeah. not going to even hardly feel that. And now they, they tax up to 145,000. Maybe that has to go up to 210,000. I mean, I don't know, but you just play with a couple yeah. of these knobs and that's fixed. Yeah. Okay. Now you go over to Medicare. I don't know how you fix that. It's like healthcare in America. Our healthcare is so ridiculously expensive. We're so much more expensive than you. you that's why people are going down to Mexico to have stuff done. They're going to, to foreign, foreign countries because you can do it for a fifth of the cost that is, as it is here. So I don't know how they're going to solve that. that that's that's got to be. And I don't want to get you in trouble because I know you. <laughs> You have you speak for a living and all these things, and that and you're tired. You go for a living and you speak on the side, <laughs> but like from a healthcare standpoint, I put you in a category where I would say you're pretty fiscally conservative. You can yep. correct me if I'm yeah. wrong on this. So a, 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 a conservative talking point is can't have socialized healthcare. It's kind of the camp I'm in because I've been to the DMV more than once, and yeah. I'm like, okay, I don't I don't want this compounding in other areas, but. Our healthcare is a disaster. It is. And I don't like it. It's a disaster. So, is there a solution? Is there questions that you're like, man, from someone who's a logical thinker that understands money inside, like, what should we be pursuing? Because that's another thing that both Republicans and Democrats don't really have real solutions. They have talking points, right. political talking right. points, but they don't have a good solution. Do you have any like questions or in your research? Is there something that we sh as a country should? to look into? Well, I don't think socialized medicine is a solution either because I've, I've lived under socialized medicine. That's a government uh, when I was in the military and you have to wait for, you know, three, four weeks for this test. And then, oh, well, this doctor only comes through every six months. So you got to wait for that. And I mean, that's socialized medicine. And imagine all the doctors out there today. If you said, hey, um, yeah, we're going to socialize medicine. We're going to pay you now $70,000 salary instead of their 700,000 or whatever they're making. They're all going to quit. They're going to leave. They're going to yeah. quit. And so you're not yeah. going to have social. It's not going to work. OK, but at the same time, we can't have like 
and I don't want to get political, but you know, I will tell you <laughs> when, when that Obamacare went through, if, if you saw what happened to your health insurance premiums, I mean, mine like tripled or something. And, and I said, this isn't health insurance anymore. This is prepaid care because the deductibles were so high and the premiums were yeah. so high that you were paying for your own care. So we've got to get to something where there's some leverage where you're, and, and maybe, maybe there needs yeah. to be uh, caps or something where, 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 you know, your coverage is, will cover you up to maybe a million dollars. Won't cover you past that. You yeah. want that? You got to buy a supplemental plan. Or maybe the government then says, we will cover any expenses over a million dollars. And then we all just have to buy care from zero to a million dollars or something. That would cut the premiums, I don't know, significantly or something like that. I'd rather see the government, you know, take care of catastrophic things than to affect everybody's life and make us buy certain policies. I don't think that's the way. So, but maybe they could take care of everything over 2 million or, and then we would just pay for just regular health insurance that would not have to be that expensive. I think there are ways, but that, that's really not in my lane. And so I don't want to get too far out of my lane. I know retirement and retirement income, health insurance and all that, you know, I, I, I have health insurance. I pay for it and stuff, but yeah. uh, it's not my lane. <laughs> um, so let, let's let's change the subject up a little bit and let's talk about your. You you did a presentation a couple of years ago on you want to be a millionaire, and it was like it was it was something that again it was kind of a new topic I haven't heard you talk about, and you were so passionate and so excited. Um, and then from there, that that has compound. I know that you've spoken to other people. You're in the process yep. of writing a book. I'm honored to play a very, very small role in that. And so I want, I want to just hear your thoughts. We're going to have you back on promoting just that topic. Yeah. Um, but I know that book is going to be coming out sometime this year. And my hope is that every single one of our viewers in our, in our community can buy that book and just support that message. Yeah. So, I mean, the book's been written, it's been edited. Uh, we're just picking out the cover and we're going to send it to the printer soon. So it should be out, but it's, it's my first, you know, my lane has been really retirement income, but I get so many young advisors and young people who say, yeah, but Tom, how do I get to where I can buy these annuities? How can I become yeah. wealthy? And so these are the same principles I've taught my own children who are, who are becoming very successful in their own right. But these are, I, I show people how simple it is to become a millionaire in America today. I believe nearly every American can become a millionaire if they want to. And now some people say, yeah, well, a million bucks today isn't what it used to be. That's true. And maybe you want to have two or three million, but you got to get your first million first. And the first million is always the hardest million. Okay. So, uh, these are, these are the techniques I've used with myself, what I've taught my, my children about. And it's just simple principles that will help people get wealthy. And, you know, a lot of it has to do with um, your spending. A lot of people waste money. They put their money into cars and boats and jet skis and RVs. And those are all depreciating assets. They buy fancy shoes and handbags and clothes. Well, you want to put as little money as possible into depreciating assets. You want to put as much money as possible into appreciating assets. And and I give it specific examples. And, uh, you know, I just see a lot of people who really don't think about their long-term future and that getting wealthy, you're not going to get wealthy like this. Everybody wants to get wealthy tomorrow. No, that's not what this book is about. This is about over 30 and 40 years that you can become very wealthy if you put certain principles in place and you're consistent and you're disciplined. And that's what I talk about in the book. And I think, I think it'll help many people become wealthy. They're going to say, holy crap, nobody ever taught me this stuff because the schools aren't teaching them that. Yeah, I mean, look if what the schools your... are teaching. <laughs> it's like, oh my goodness, this is the stuff they should be teaching. You know, 
Yeah. But they're not. And unfortunately, they would uh, they wouldn't let you into the schools. No. They would be afraid of what comes out of your mouth. Yeah. Um, if you're a teenager, or you're in your early twenties. This this question could be if you, even if you're in your thirties. But if you're young yeah. and you and you understand that you're one of your greatest assets is your ability to earn income, but you don't know what you want to do. It's hard for me. Like I at 17 knew what I wanted to do. I was like very motivated in that. So it's like, I, on one hand, I'm like very empathetic because I got extremely blessed to like be on the path, meet the right people. And so it's, that's one thing, but I know that a lot of people like they're going into college and they don't even know what they want. And it's gotta be frustrating. And there's a lot of wasted time and money. What advice would you give to that person who want, like wants to figure it out, but just doesn't know like their mission, yeah. doesn't know what they want to do for income. And, and, and what would you say? What would be some questions or things that you would recommend that they do? I have a daughter like that. Okay. She's 21 and, and we have these conversations all the time, but you know, I wanted her to go in the air force actually, because you know, my, my, uh, my number three son is a second Lieutenant out of Fort Benning, Georgia. I was in the army 22 years. I think the military is a great place to find yourself. You get, you get exposed to all kinds of people, all kinds of missions, all kinds. And all of a sudden you find, oh man, I love doing this, or I'm really good at that. And if you're not going to go in the military, then maybe, um, I would say start at a larger corporation. Don't, don't go to just a small little company, go to some place where you can try this out and then they can move you over here and, and you can, you, you got to get yeah. some life experience. I, you know, it kills me is these 21 year olds all think that they, they got to solve the world's problems on, on the first day. No, yeah. your twenties is when you're learning about yourself. You're finding yourself. You're not going to know what you're going to do in your career when you're 21. Very few people do. Yeah. You know, when I was 21, I was, I was a second lieutenant in the army. I never thought I'd be a speaker in the insurance industry. Are you kidding me? I was going to go in the military. I was going to be a general yeah. someday or whatever. And uh, yeah. so, but, but, but you, you get many different life experiences and that's what you need in your twenties. You need life experiences. You need to get off your phone and you need to get off your TikTok. You need to yeah. get out there, talk to people and then talk to people of little gray in their hair. You may not like them, but they, you know, they didn't fall off the turnip truck yesterday. They've been around maybe, the block a couple of yeah. times. They might know a couple of things that maybe you don't know and spend some time with them. Go to lunch, hang out with the older people. You're yeah. going to learn faster if you get yeah. some of that institutional knowledge. I'm I'm with you. I am here because of people that 20, 30, 40, 50 years uh, of experience on me were willing to take time. And it's it's it, it's interesting because it's not just a taking relationship. If you're young, I think some people tell me like, I don't want to waste their time. It's like, listen, I think one of the greatest things that you can give someone is like genuinely take action on what they say. Yeah. Um, because we're all going to die someday. And the, the truly great people want their life to matter and want to make an impact. And so let them have an impact on your life and, and continue their legacy on by um, implementing it yeah, and, and, and raising a family. And Caleb, and you know, anything. I wouldn't be here without Jack and Gary Kinder, without Joe Jordan, without Ted Kilkowski. They're, they're people who impacted yep. me significantly when I was brand new and I didn't know nothing about nothing. And they taught me things. And now that's what I'm trying to do to others is help, help yep. others. Yeah. Tom, what I love about these conversations is we we're we're 37 minutes in and I I'm out of questions. <laughs> so so what other things do you have from a standpoint of what you're doing in the annuity space, life insurance space, golf space? I don't know if you play pickleball. I do I, play I'm, pickleball. I play pickleball. Love pickleball. Play pickleball. I'll pickleball challenge you any days. day. But yeah. what other things do you have as we're kind of like landing the plane here from a standpoint of what you're up to and uh, anything else in your in your mind that you would love to articulate? Well, you know. 
I did a trial retirement for myself back in like 2018. I took a whole summer off. I blocked off all my, I said, I'm not speaking all summer. I, we, I joined a country club up in Flagstaff. We got a place up there. I play golf most of the day. I want to see, am I going to get bored? You know, am I gonna, not going to like it? What's going to happen? And I loved it. Okay. So then I knew that I was going to retire soon. And so I started moving all my stuff to the cloud. I put recorded uh, webinars out there. Um, and, and so now, uh, and then, then COVID hit. But I was ready and I was already virtual and I was already on Zoom and I already had webinars and I had more virtual capability than I think almost any S&P 500 insurance company. And that's why I got calls from all of them. And 2020 yeah. was my best year ever. Now, think about that. I'm a platform speaker. I did zero platforms in 2020. I did the best ever. How? Because I was doing six, seven webinars a day for three or four or five different companies. I couldn't do that live. And yes, I charged them each a little less because they were virtual, but all in all, I made a lot more. And so, and and then, you know, now I've got it where I can do webinars for agents seven days a week, 24 hours a day. All they got to do is send their clients to this website and the client watches me give the webinar and they say, okay, that's what I want. Just give me everything he said. And that's working. And so, so now I'm getting multiple revenue streams by putting stuff in the cloud. And I would advise advisors, you want to have multiple revenue streams. You don't just want to have where you get paid if you sell a policy and if you if you get sick or hurt or die, that that stops. You want to have multiple revenue streams that are coming in while you're sleeping, while you're playing golf, while you're on a trip, that you got revenue coming every single day. And there are ways to do that. And so search for that. I love that. And it's the, your ability to pivot. And it, a concept that I talk a lot about is value leveraging. Yep. You have a valuable message, extremely valuable message. If you are an advisor, if you're an insurance agent, if you're someone that's hearing Tom talk about annuities or insurance, you have some of the best teaching and you are able to partner with people. And, and you're like, you don't necessarily have to be the person doing this presentation. You can work with Tom. We'll have his links down below so you can learn more about that. But what, what I love about that is you then took the lever, the internet and other things, and, and you didn't let that be a, uh, something that you're like, well, in back in my day, we, we didn't do webinars. We like, I love how you pivot. Um, and my big question is how many webinars do you have to do to actually invest in some a headset? That, uh, that doesn't look like a $10 headset, well, man. What's funny is a company actually sent this to me because they said it's noise canceling. It's the best headset on the market. And they required me to use it for their webinars. And I just use it all the time because it's it's so clear. I never have it issues is. with it. I don't like the fact that I look like Mickey Mouse with the headset, but 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 it, but it's very effective. And so because I, might... I got one of these too. Like I could, I could use one of these, but it just doesn't sound as good. As the no, headset. I know so, it's it's I'm it's become your goofy, it's become me look. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, um, two two other things. I, I again, I want to give a call to action. If you're an advisor and want to learn more about how you can work with Tom or get any of his books, we're just gonna have a bunch of links down below. If you're someone who's a consumer who you're like, man, I I want to learn more about insurance or annuities and stuff, we will have a link just for you where you can learn more. Maybe talk to someone that can help look at your your portfolio, your, your quote unquote plan and figure out how you can be most efficient. Um, Tom, I end all, all my shows with what's called the legacy question. And the legacy question goes like this, this is your last day on earth and you're with the people that you love the most and you can't give them any of your books. You can't give them your PBS special. You can't give them any, any interviews or any talks. You just have one last conversation with your family. What would you, what would you share with them? Um, obviously there would be a lot of gratitude and you know, all that, but like, what would you make sure to highlight in that last conversation? Well, I've tried to make it so it won't be in the last conversation. I try to have a conversation, you know, throughout the year. So, you know, I would just say, you know, um, 
your character is one of the most important things. Guard that. Um, and, and then, you know, help others. If you focus on helping other people, you know, was it uh, Zig Ziglar said, you can get everything you want out of life if you just help another other people get what they want out of life. And I took yeah. that and I believe that is maybe one of the best quotes out there. And so I, yeah. I, 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 I leave them with that maybe. Amazing. Uh, is there any final words that you have or any call to actions you would like? Um, I really appreciate your time here and just appreciate the passion that you bring to every conversation. Yeah, no, and Caleb, I appreciate everything you're doing in the industry. You're doing an incredible job and you're building your own legacy. And, uh, and I appreciate that. And that's why I asked you to be part of the book as well. So, you know, hopefully we'll get that out in the next, uh, I don't know, printing and everything's delayed because of there's still supply things with printing and paper yeah. and book covers and everything. But I'm trying to get it out as quick as I can. Amazing. Well, well, Tom, I hope you have an amazing rest of your day. And, and again, if you've enjoyed this, this conversation, please share it. Um, and please support what Tom's up to in the links below. Thanks, Caleb. Thank you so much for listening to the Better Wealth Podcast. It would mean the world to me if you could hit subscribe, leave a review, and share this with the people that you know and love.